Welcome to the Punk and Pile Drivers Podcast here on the Backbreaker Media Network. And now, your host, Big Bad Boris. It is a very special episode of the Punk and Pile Drivers Podcast. My name is Big Bad Boris. It's a special episode for a few reasons. Uh, reason number one, it's episode number 20, which I think is pretty cool. This is the, the 20th episode. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's taken the time to kind of chat with me on uh, this platform. Uh, it's the Black Friday episode, which means absolutely nothing other than the fact that it's Black Friday today. And it is with the current reigning and defending PWA champion and all around good guy to know, Mr. Michael Allen Richard Clark, live from Saskatchewan. Michael Allen Richard Clark, thanks for hanging out, man. How are you? I'm well. Well, I'm, I'm, I want to correct you. I'm the PWA heavyweight champion. Don't forget that because that's what I lift is heavyweight. And fair, fair. it's great, Boris. We haven't talked together probably since the last time, well, we've spoken, but on something since we've done commentary. And I'm your favorite commentary partner. So it's great to be back <laughs> speaking with you. <laughs> it is it is one of your favorite things to throw that headset on and sit down with me and call some matches. I think we, we do enjoy that. I'm not going to lie. Like, I love doing commentary. I think it's great. I think it's a load of fun. And pulling things back a little bit, I think me and you have a, a pretty decent dynamic with I you being so. the call guy and me adding in my stupid quips or whatever it may be. Now, Sheikak Bar Shabazz likes to think that he's been my, my best co-commentator. Any any comments on that? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if we, <laughs> like... Is he? Like, you tell me. That's probably all we need to hear there. I mean, maybe you won't say anything because of reasons, like obvious reasons for that. But let's be honest. We know it's me. Well, maybe what I'll put up a match that we did, and I'll put up a match that, that, that he and I did, and we can let the, the people decide. Well, one thing, I'm not saying I'm a good commentator or anything. <laughs> I think I'm okay. <laughs> but... I just mean like so many indie wrestling. There's not very many good indie wrestling commentators. Like you're one of the few. And I mean that in the sense of like, get excited about what you're watching. Show enthusiasm. Like some of the guys that call, oh, they have a storied history. Oh, no, you hit this move. Oh, big devastating maneuver. Like, what is that? What do the guys do on TV? They get excited. Oh, yeah. wow. You hit that. What a devastating maneuver. These guys have a long story. Like, I don't know. Show enthusiasm, man. That's what everybody's lacking. Yeah. First of all, I appreciate the compliment very much. I, I do. Uh, that does mean quite a bit to me. And that's always something that I kind of try to do and things that I've tried to tell other people is if, if, if I don't care about this match, why should anybody who's watching? Exactly. And it really like brings the wind out of the sails when you hear a commentary team, like maybe it's not even necessarily that they realize or that they they don't care, but it's just they have no enthusiasm behind what they're saying. Like, mm-hmm. even if something's, as me and you know, not as maybe as exciting as we're portraying, that's just part of the business, part of the showmanship, right? Yeah, yeah. I take that shit pretty seriously, maybe sometimes too seriously. But yeah, um, like I've always tried to take take a match and, and make it better. And that's, that's, that's it's, it's a responsibility. Right? And can, there's, and, and a lot of times I think that, you know, it helps tell the story. And a lot of times, in my opinion, um, 
so some guys have some ideas that they let they like to do in their matches that I think can be very very subtle and may not be caught with the naked eye so to speak so uh I think it's my job to maybe take some of those subtleties and point them out whereas they might get missed if I'm not there does that make sense tell the story yeah absolutely I get what you're saying completely because for example, at the Love Wrestling Force Pro show, mm-hmm. I was sitting near you or standing with you. We were visiting, watching Blaze and Randy Myers, and you pointed out stuff that I didn't know, and you explained the history of it to me. You're like, oh, that's why they did that, because that's what they did fucking however many years ago yeah. or whatever it may, may have you, but I wouldn't have known that being a yeah. casual watcher. like I didn't know what these guys did 10, 15 years ago when they first started getting trained and stuff, but you knew it and you told it to me and you weren't even doing commentary. So imagine if you're doing commentary, same thing, right? I really would have loved to, to, uh, to call that match. And uh, I want to see that finished product, that whole show, just to see kind of how that's all going to look. I love that the weight bench coming out and stuff like whose idea was that the, with the weight bench to come out? Was that, was that, that was you? mine? All right, let's peel her back right away. What I wanted, it wasn't what I wanted. Okay. Um, what I what I had initially wanted is I want the lights to go out, and they play the ch- well. F- all right. First, I wanted the chanting, and they bring out the weight bench, and they set it down, and then they walk away, and then the lights go out, and they play. I had child Charles Lee Ray from Child's Play, Abu Dhabi, whatever. <laughs> silly okay. Shit, right. Yeah. And then I had Arnold and Lou Ferrigno and Ronnie Coleman like saying their famous quotes. And then the lights would come on and I would be laying on the bench like I'm dead. And there's Thad standing in front of me with the protein tub, like the urn. Mm -hmm. I sit up, I'm like kind of dead. I actually wanted them to, uh, my druids to dress me, like put my shirt on and put my wrist wraps on. And then I'm sitting there and then Thad raises the urn and I raise my head and then my music starts and I get up and off I go. That's what I wanted. But obviously things don't work out why did it not well the lights didn't go on Mm -hmm. i i i couldn't tell you i i don't know i'm not i'm not upset about it or anything we made the most of it we did it people still thought it was funny that that's all i really care about i know production was having some issues with uh the soundboard or whatever which i mean at the end of the day stuff happens i'm not upset whatever shit happens right and you just try to you just try to come back again next time and that's one of the things i always i you know i'm, I'm a champion of of those behind the scenes production guys because i think when stuff goes well you don't think about it you just assume things are always going to go well uh and and a lot of work goes into doing those cool interesting fun things so i you know i like to give shout outs to the, those guys and, and i'm sure you know the next the, the next love show whenever that takes place they'll, they're going to have all that ironed out and it's going to be awesome and not to say that that show wasn't awesome because i really really enjoyed that show i had a lot of fun that night yeah like i mean the speaking touching on what you're saying about the production guys like nobody's there to really be the first to give them praise almost, but when something goes wrong, they're there first to scream at them. Yeah, right? what the fuck oh, happened with that? <laughs> fucked up. So, so like, that was another thing. Like, I mean, I don't care. I'm pretty easygoing, as you know, like shit mm-hmm. happens. Things don't always work out. So that was the, the other part in my mind, like poor Thomas there was so swamped and so busy with things last minute. I mean, I really wanted to uh, extend like, Hey, I still appreciate mm-hmm. you doing what you did. 
I, I mean, it didn't turn out how we wanted, but whatever, that's life. <laughs> I don't really care. Yeah. And then you get to get to try it again next time. Exactly. All right. Or so somewhere let's... else, or I have other ideas or whatever it may be. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. So let's talk about you. We're going to go through my kind of usual checklist because <laughs> I'd like to know where, like where do you remember your first kind of memories of, of pro wrestling and when you first saw it and when you started to think this is something yep. that I want to get involved with. Because again, you're another younger guy. You're sure. substantially younger than me. So, all right. Um, okay. I remember growing up, like I knew what wrestling was. And I remember my mom. I still don't like, know what it is. <laughs> I know I don't like it sometimes. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about that later. Oh, we are. Okay. Yeah. Just um, our, our little, our little catchphrase that we have that, that I enjoy. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I love it. Um, so I remember just like hearing names and remembering names growing up, but my first actual memory of wrestling, my brother used to watch it and he would, he never lived with me. He would come spend time with my, our dad and stuff weeks at a time or whatever it may be. My first memory was D'Lo Brown getting stunnered on a truck. That's <laughs> okay. Like first, it's an odd one. That's my first memory. And then I started, started watching one of my friends got into it when we were like seven he might have been watching a little earlier but he kind of got me watching it so that was like my real memories of wrestling was like summer of 99 so i remember kane's always been my guy since day one still is he's my favorite wrestler yeah i know it's an odd one people are always like really but i mean i can't I'm not seven foot, 300 pounds. I'm not going to start choke slamming people, mm-hmm. people, right? Like that's just not my style, but there are things that I do that are Kane inspired. Like my running DDT. That's, I stole that from Kane mm-hmm. falling power bomb. I'll do sometimes that's stolen from Kane as well. Things like that. Okay. Anyways. Um, so Kane was always my favorite. My earliest memories were like him tagging with X-Pac against Big Show and Undertaker and then X-Pac turning on Kane and Kane feuding with X-Pac forever. And those are like some of my real early memories. But then my real core memories, I would say, is like the year 2000 and 2001, like when Kane's feuded with The Undertaker and chokeslammed him through the ring. That's the first time I ever saw that happen. It was unbelievable. And then Kane and Undertaker ripping his mask off at SummerSlam 2000, things like that. Mm -hmm. So those are like, and then the Brothers of Destruction as well, which is funny. I mentioned like Ministry Undertaker. I had the very trail end of Ministry Undertaker, but the main Undertaker that I really remember growing up with was the American Badass Undertaker, was, was funny enough. Biker Taker. A lot of people kind of shit on Biker Taker, but I didn't really have a big problem with it. You got to keep things fresh, and, and you know it makes it really cool when he goes back to original Undertaker. But, I mean, if you're going to be around that long, you've got to change some things up and do Absolutely. some things different so people don't get bored of you. You can't miss something if it doesn't go away. Exactly. The original thing. Plus, like, I think, like, from 02 onward, like, he was doing some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Moving really well in the ring still and, and stuff like that. Like, he was really doing some good stuff. So those are, like, my early memories of wrestling. And I always said I wanted to be a wrestler when I was a kid. And then, funny enough, I kind of fell out of – I didn't fall out of it, but I was really heartbroken when Kane unmasked. I was okay. still a kid. Interesting. I was super, super heartbroken about that. Like that. Oh no! Like big brooding horror guy. Like red, my favorite color. Blah blah. blah. Oh no! Unmasked. Like that's what makes him so cool. 
even though now looking back, I really appreciate the psychotic stuff right after. Yeah. Um, so then when I finally, when we moved and I was 12, 13, we got internet, but it was only dial up, albeit. I started downloading old Kane matches. And this okay. is still my favorite match this day. WrestleMania 14, Kane versus The Undertaker. And I'm like, I want to, I want to wrestle. That that match made me want to wrestle. Like Kane kicked out of two tombstones. That's unheard of. Well, I was the- 13 sitting here watching this match, and my mind was blown. Like, what? Couldn't believe it. And the buildup for that match was so awesome. It was the first, that was their first match, was it not? Yes, it was. Now, keep in mind, I didn't, I didn't see any of that. Like I knew the history and stuff, but I didn't know the extent of the history until I was much older. Mm -hmm. This is when I'm 12 watching this match, just on that match alone. I just would download old cane matches off peer to peer sharing like Kazar LimeWire. So you'd and, uh, set it to download match, and it would take you like three weeks to get one match kind of thing? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you leave it overnight kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. You leave the phone hung up because it's dial up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like that match like made me be like, no, I want to wrestle. That's That was the match that I'm like, I want to wrestle. Excellent. So how long between that, when you're 12 and, and you start actually training? Obviously, you can't really train until you're... Eh, 16 18 depending where you go i was 19 when i started training so what um, did you do in the seven years between this is what i want to do and when you were able to do it just kept watching and, and thinking and yeah i watched everything uh thinking like you said uh i had a trampoline that was a wrestling ring and i did a lot of stupid stuff off of the trampoline like i can distinctly remember doing like flip bumps off the trampoline onto the grass and landing that's, like nice and flat. That yeah, dumb. That's, so dumb. Yeah, that's, that's dumb. Did you ever get hurt? No, I didn't. Oh. I've always been quite agile and athletic, but I also, I played a lot of hockey growing up too. See, I was just like going to ask, was, was there any other sports and stuff that you played as well? Yeah, I played hockey. Like I played some junior A and bounced around and stuff. And I ended up in uh, Regina here. I was being billeted out here and uh, I eventually was looking up like when that was like, okay, this is clearly not, I wasn't enjoying it like I used to and things like that. And the people, honestly, it's just very toxic culture. And uh, I started looking up wrestling schools around or like training or whatever may have you. And I found one in Moose Jaw, which was golden dragon wrestling at the time. And then i found a list of uh, all these shows, like it was basically every independent show in the world. And it was just like a blog, like on Tuesday, you had these shows in these places and it mm-hmm. would have just a straight up list. And I saw there's HIW in Regina. And then I'm like, Oh, maybe they're like CWE. Cause I had seen a couple CWE shows uh, prior to this. And I'm like, maybe they're like CWE. Maybe they're traveling through. Because you, when you're growing up, you think the life of a wrestler, no matter how independent you are, is very glamorous. Oh, yes. Way. Oh, Always yeah. traveling around wrestling. Right? But uh, no, they're here every week. Okay. So I went down to a show. And well, first, my goal was to weigh 100, 200 pounds by any means necessary. It wasn't like a good build 200 pounds. Like I wasn't very built, but I had some athletic 
shape to myself because I've always been an athlete kind of. Fuck, my goal right now is to weigh 200 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be a very very skinny athlete at the time. but Mm -hmm. So I wanted to gain weight. And when I got to 190, I think, I was like, all right, I'm going to go train. So I went down to a show and I was going to, if I deemed them good enough, like not just some outlaw shitty indie show, but I mean, you're fucking Mark. You don't know anything, right? Yeah. So I deemed them. So I walked up to who was the champion at the time, which was King Cash. And I said, okay. hey, who better to ask than the heavyweight champion? Hey, I want to train. Where do I go? So it was like this little venue. And he's like, go downstairs in the bar. There's a big guy down there. Go talk to him. So I did that. All the wrestlers were around. It's actually pretty intimidating. Oh, of course. Hey, I want to train the wrestle. Okay. Come down to this place on this day. They had a bot show in a school somewhere. And we'll come down and we'll train you a little bit before the show, which you know how wrestling is. That didn't happen. No. So I'm there all early, eager, ready to go, and nobody's there. I'm super early and, you know, wrestling time, right? Mm-hmm. So I got the bump after the show, but that's basically how I started training. And then eventually HIW, how it worked is uh, Chuck, Charlie Hayes used to rent a uh, a garage out back of a house in the hood, like smack dab in the middle of the hood. And uh, the ring was outside because this was the beginning of summer. So we trained outside and that was, that was basically it. Started doing shows from there and off we went. So how long did you train before you had the, the, the ill-fated first match? Um, a month and a half see that's crazy like some people trained really really long like i had sean uh moore on last week really great episode great i learned a lot about sean really interesting guy um yeah three months like to me three months seems really fast but there's other guys who train six months in a year so i guess it just depends on on how fast you catch on but also your opportunities and what you know the people training you can give you bookings and give you matches if they think you're ready it was rushed it i I was not ready. What was the what was the match? Um, um, it was up north. Uh, Crazy Horse used to get us these uh, shows up north on like Laron, not Laron, Laloche area, which is like eight hours north. And so I went up there. Crazy the Horse, like Crazy Horse, Eddie Mustang, Crazy Horse. No, uh, Crazy Horse, uh, Keith. Sauchuk. I'm I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Oh, I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, he used to manage Rex Roberts out here in Saskatchewan. He was actually okay. quite a good manager. Okay. Very outlandish, very charismatic. Anyways, he used to get shows for Chuck up there. So I'm trying to think. The first trip I ever went on, I just reffed and then I trained. And then the second time we went up, which was in mid-August. So okay, I lied. It was about two months of training. Mm-hmm. and um, yeah I was not ready I got so lost in the match and it also rained beforehand so the canvas was oh that's like dangerous ice. oh it was it was brutal so needless to say I got not a good match at all by any means who'd you um, work uh, a Billy Bones okay enough. he's still around here he helps out with ringside but yeah I just was not good and but I, I I do truly believe that for me experience has been my best teacher. Like you 
there's yes, there's working practice matches, but there's nothing like it until you're out in front of a crowd. Oh, for sure. Nothing like the real thing. It's like, you know, they always yeah. say like in the in like football, you gotta, you know, get the reps in, and that's how you really get better and you improve and learn. Yeah, yeah. So like I continue training after that, obviously. But yeah, so I had a few matches, but that first one was terrible. Then the second one was a six-man tag, and then I had a match the next night against Rex Roberts, which Rex could work a broomstick. Rex was really, really good mm-hmm. and very easy. And uh, we had like an okay match from what I remember. And then I don't remember if I had another one. There. But regardless, that was sort of like my first taste of being a wrestler. And um, yeah, like I said, I think experience was my best teacher. And then also seeing what works in front of a crowd and what doesn't like mm-hmm. it's a lot different and your timing and how you work in between all your moves and stuff is very interesting because obviously you, it's hard to do that in training as opposed to actually a crowd and seeing how they're reacting yeah because you don't know what's going to catch on what's going to get over what's not going to get over like if you start to lose them what you got to do to get them back and those kind of things exactly yeah so when you started right. training, this is one of my favorite questions, just because I think it's interesting to me. When you started training, was there anything that you were doing and you were like, oh, this is not what I thought this was going to be like at all? Well, when I pulled up and the place is like in the middle of the hood, I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> okay. And then you go around and it's just like, a, not dilapidated, but just like a shitty garage off a back alley. And mm-hmm. There's a ring outside and it's like, these because Chuck used to fix up trucks and sell them, so you have few trucks around looking kind of like a bit of a junkyard. Like, oh, okay, this is not what you think it'd be. And then, of course, not the first summer, but the second summer that I trained, the house in front got rented, mm-hmm. and the people that were renting that house were actually dealing drugs out of the house. Oh, lovely. so any given day, oh, yeah, you'd have a hundred people walk through the yard, so of course, you have a wrestling ring out there, some people are training. Oh, what's this? MMA, UFC, blah, 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 and needles all over the place. Oh, yeah, not, not glamorous at all. That was, that was like really the eye-opening experience, especially me, because where I lived in Regina before was like not a rough area. And like where I had lived before I moved here was in like a town of 40 people. So mm-hmm. I never saw any of this, right? Interesting. So I want to talk a bit about uh, the physical fitness thing, because that's something obviously uh, that's that's very near and dear to you. When did you really start to take your your physical fitness uh, and your body seriously? And who kind of helped you along the way to get to where you are? Because you look like a million bucks right now, man. Well, I appreciate that. Um, What was I like? I, I really started working out before I trained and as I trained, but then I kind of like my weight's been very fluctuation in my early years. Like I was 140 pounds when I first started. Then I got to 190. Then when I started training, I couldn't maintain it because of all the cardio and stuff. So I dropped to about 170. Then I try. I, I would sort of just like bulk up and cut. Like I'd bulk up and I get to like 210 pounds and I feel fat. So mm-hmm. then I would do a, like almost hardcore in the opposite direction then i weigh 180 then i go to 210 180 and i was like very fluctuation with that but uh probably when i was like 21 and then i kind of got stagnant when i was like 24 ish and then when i was like 26 
I really started taking it a lot more seriously. Like I would work out and go to the gym and stuff, but I wasn't really making any gains. I was just sort of staying where I was. And these last few years, I've really like been pushing and stuff. But uh, in the early days, uh, Mike McSugar actually was like a big one because he did like a physique competition. And he looked great. And I used to ask him for like, he gave me like some pretty basic advice and stuff and whatever else. So he really helped. I had some gym buddies that I was uh, friends with that had nothing to do with wrestling that really helped me along as well mm-hmm. and showed me like some programs like my first real big bulk, I did a five by five program, which is five reps, five sets and stuff like that. And then in the later years, once again, it, it's like blaze a bit because that, that guy's literally a maniac. So like we would just do maniac stuff, like stupid stuff, like as many burpees as you can do in like 10 minutes or 15 minutes or like yeah, yeah, I've been three, <laughs> like deadlifts, like all your, all your way up and getting to your one rep max. And then you do four plate as many as you can do. Then you do three plate as many as you can do. Then you do yeah. two plate as many as you can do. Like you just kill yourself. Right. Yeah. So he really got the kill yourself notion into my, into my brain for that. But a lot of the other stuff, like can't do a podcast like, without his fucking name coming up. Can we? No, I mean, the guy, <laughs> the guy is really like, whether he realizes or not, like he lit a fire under my, I'm sure a lot of other people, too, oh, yeah. but my ass too, because like, you're sort of stagnant, you're working the same guys, blah, blah, blah. And then the first time I worked him in a three way in Saskatoon with Brett Morgan, and it's like, wow, this guy can fucking go, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is like, okay, this is what, what it's about, right? Like nothing against anyone else you can get kind of spotty with guys like jeff tyler and stuff but i mean you're not getting like what he is nobody's on his level right yeah. i mean i'd say me and sean and o'doyle will be there too eventually but i'm saying like those are the closest guys right now off the top of my head i'm sure i'm missing somebody i apologize if i am but those are like the boys right yeah, and it's just yeah. like holy fuck this i can go and like I say, you could get, you could do some cool stuff with Jeff Tyler, but it's just it's not on the same level as Blaze, especially yeah. Saskatchewan wrestling was very old school walk and talk and really work that crowd and sell the whatever, right? And you get Blaze, it's like holy fuck, like you're doing a lot, yeah, <laughs> and you're beating the piss out of each other too, especially now that I'm friends with the guy, like oh fuck fuck me, right? Um, but so yeah, he's like been a big influence in that, and then. A lot of my buddies at the gym, honestly, like I'm friends with some guys that are basically like a a lower tier bodybuilders and Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's just like, and it's a lot of just figuring out what works for me, like finding a nice balance. In these last couple of years, I finally found a nice balance of slowly leaning up and losing fat while retaining or gaining muscle because I never want to bulk again. I don't ever want my cardio to be shit again. Yeah. You never know when somebody will call you up or who knows, right? So yeah, I, I would say like the early guys in wrestling are like probably McSugar was giving me a lot of tips and like teaching me about creatine and, and stuff like that. Tyler Colton, I I'm mm-hmm. I can't believe I forgot him. He was he's a strong man out in Winnipeg. And before he was a strong man, he looked not that he doesn't look great, he looks like a big guy that would fuck you up but he looked (laughs) great like aesthetically like 
when he had abs and was like very tapered and he looked, he's a big, tall dude. I don't know if you know him or not. I know of him. Yeah. So he's got like a very big, strong man build now. Now, but yeah, he, he taught me a lot about things and like, same with like Mentolo who also has like a very good build. Wavel, Wavel Star. Mm-hmm. Wavel Star has been a big, big part of my career and a big, really taught me how to like work truly. I give him a lot of credit because he was my first like real major feud in like early 2012. And of course, you're a young guy and he's an old guy. He still works, but he's like sort of on the way out on the slowing down and stuff but he really taught me how to like work and milk things and where to put things and really good mind for everything yeah, i mean sometimes he's less pretty some, much sometimes less yes. is more yes he's pretty much the guy from here that has gone anywhere right like he's done wwe shows he was down in ovw for a while stuff like that so mm-hmm. he's pretty much the guy from here all right, we are going to go to your first track. Now, I was quite, uh, I would have bet the farm that you were going to pick a Pantera song. Anybody who knows you knows about uh, your, your love of Pantera, but neither of your tracks is a Pantera song. And I just wanted to know why you, you, you went the other way. Well, all right. I, uh, I, I love Pantera. Pantera is my favorite band. Uh, a little bit of a backstory here. We talked about the dial-up and the kazaa, peer-to-peer sharing. Growing up, I didn't have like a lot of music in the house. Like my dad never listened to music. My mom rarely, rarely listened to music. And what I remember was like listening to Eddie Rabbit with her. I knew she liked Elvis, but I didn't know any Elvis songs. So mm. a lot of my outlet to music was like whatever I heard on TV. So a lot of that was wrestling. Mm-hmm. And that was like the attitude era, prime time, Jim Johnson, sludgy riffs. Like I've always, always been drawn to a heavier kind of beat. Like I remember when I heard Iron Man by Black Sabbath, I'm like, this is pretty sweet, you know, mm-hmm. just the guitar and stuff. And then ACDC, and then you get a little heavier and heavier. I've always been drawn to heavier things. So when, uh, I believe SummerSlam 03 had St. Anger as their theme. I'm like, this is pretty good. So I went on Kazar or whatever, and I would search a band. So I searched Metallica, and I tried downloading a bunch of their songs. Of course, it takes 20, 30 minutes to download one song. So if a song didn't pull me in in the first 30 seconds, that song's scrapped. It's it's not worth my time, right? Mm, Yeah. So one of the first songs I remember downloading and liking is the thing that should not be, which is one of my picks. It's my favorite Metallica song. And I just love the sludginess to it. I It's so brooding and slow, and it's just a great song. Now, I want to jump back to Pantera for one second. Have you seen Pantera live? No, I am much too, uh, uh, too young to do that. They were gone, and by the time I was, what, eight or nine, they were basically oh. dissolved. Fun Boris fact, number 4352, I have seen Pantera live. 
I'm very, I'm very jealous of that. And it yeah, wasn't I'm very happy. <laughs> it wasn't even a thing that that I was planning to do. I had a good friend of mine that I was working with at the time, and he owed me money for something. I couldn't remember what it was, but he was like, instead of he was like a big metal guy, and he was like, instead of paying you back the forty or fifty bucks, I'm going to Pantera, and I'll get you a ticket to Pantera. So I went to see Pantera. I didn't know any songs except for Walk, just because it was RVD's theme song. But uh, yeah. I remember it being a big heavy metal trip again. So they had like a big flaming pantera logo and stuff so i just thought i would throw that out there so we're going to go to your first track it is the thing that should not be it is metallica on the punk and power podcast
So that is the thing that should not be in this Metallica on the Punk and Podiverse podcast. My name is Big Bad Boris, and I'm joined by Michael Allen, Richard Clark, the man with the longest name in professional wrestling. Uh, you mentioned Mike McSugar earlier. Uh, you and he formed a very entertaining tag team. Tell me about how that uh, uh, came to be. I really enjoyed a lot of the, uh, the, the hijinks you guys got up to. Oh, flex appeal. Yeah, um, that was like some of my f- funnest times. Like, if you you know me, you know I'm a pretty fun-loving, fun sense of humor kind of guy. At least I like the thing. So, yeah. and McSugar is even worse in the sense you're trying to plan an eight-man TLC match, and he's still goofing off to the point mm-hmm. where I'm like, McSugar, get the fuck over here and smarten <laughs> up. You gotta listen. Stop up goofing around. Put like your pants back five on. Minutes, and let's do all this. I ask. That's all I ask. Five minutes. Serious. Like, stop it. You know. But no, um, we always like were buddies and had a similar sense of humor. And then when he turned heel and joined our stable, Cash is like, oh, I want to put you in a tag team. And of course, me at the time, oh, tag mm, team. Yeah. I want to be a singer, you know. But so just made the best of it. And you know what? We're going to go hard. We're going to get matching gear. We're going to, I don't know, just figure out uh, some tag team spots steal them from places whatever may have you and yeah i thought we were pretty entertaining i wish we could have got out to alberta a little bit more yeah and then it was always trying to be like sort of recreated but it it's uh it was just fun like just one of those things we two guys that enjoy and have a fun sense of humor and have fun in the ring with each other and yeah he's he's just a fun loving guy and we have stupid vignettes that we post on Facebook and whatever. And I still look back and I think we're hilarious. So, Cause I was going to say, you guys had just started getting booked in PWA and, and that's what was like my first exposure to you guys. And I was like, this is phenomenal. And then for some reason, I'm not exactly sure why, but McSugar wasn't really able to make the, the, the Alberta shows anymore. And that kind of went away. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was like a work conflict thing. I want to say that's what it was. If- I think it was that, and I think it was also like around the time when he, um, some family things and whatever. So I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. So then they put me and Richie, and I tried the care, but it just wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Wasn't what it was. It wasn't good. It was forced, and yeah. uh, like the new me and Bobby Sharp were very enjoyable. Bobby, once again, Bobby, uh, very similar sense of humor but different in a way as well. Mm-hmm. And I thought we meshed actually quite well together. I always enjoyed the stuff that you guys did. And it was also really fun to call, to call the matches when you guys are up to kind of that nonsense. Now, I mean, I, that's sort of just here to have fun, right? Yeah. Now, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is you used to have a glorious mane of hair. Oh, yeah. Now, what made the, the decision? Because I actually was looking at an older match of yours and, and you had the hair and I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot all about that hair. What what made you decide to, to remove the glorious mane of hair? Sometimes I miss it, but it's a pain in the ass, man. Like the upkeep? When your hair is that curly and that like thick and whatever, like I would always just be wearing it up and it was hard, like pulling back my hairline a bit. And it was just ah it was just too just the pain and it just was so much work that was the problem i had it for like four or five years and it was just i was so sick of it 
honestly, that's all it was. I was just so sick of it. Sick of having, sick of having long hair, wanted to be like a handsome <laughs> short haired man instead of a handsome long haired man. <laughs> but seriously, it was just, I didn't want to spend an hour trying to make it not be a poof ball in the morning or just putting it up because I'm lazy, which is what I was in the last year of me having it, which by then I was like, if I'm just going to be doing this, I might as well not even why bother. Right. Yeah. So how long have you been PWA champion for now? I don't know. <laughs> I thought I figured you'd have like a day count for me. Like I've been PWA champion for 726 days and four hours and six minutes. Oh, uh, no, I, I really don't know. I couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I must be approaching. I must be a pro over. It's been over two years, I think around. When did I win it again? I yeah, it's been. Over, I don't over, remember. I don't know. I don't, I think it was around this time I won it again. Like I was champ at the, at the, yeah, it's been over two years because I was champion at the stampede on the, on the ice there. I was. Oh champion yeah. At the, at the, the battle at the dome. That's right. Yeah, so that's over eight. Yes. Over 700 days for sure. Probably pushing 800. I bet. Look at you. I don't know. Who's the one that had all the stats before. was that Spencer. I feel uh, like he would always have the answer. Uh, yeah, I don't know shit. I've like that's one thing that I I think that that we uh, in PWA and I, I include like myself and Kurt and that is I don't think we've done a really really great job of of, of documenting our history and our legacy. Like I, I I don't have title histories and and show dates and names and stuff. I like I wish I I had documented more of that. And I'm sure Kurt, I mean, Kurt might have a lot of some stuff written down, but like, I don't know, have any access to title histories and who won what, where and stuff like that. And there's always things I remember. I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So I wish we had done a bit of a better job of documenting that. Cause we're, we're, we're over 20 years now. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let me take a look. Cause I do have my, uh, I, I like I've written down every match I've had. Like I don't um, remember who you beat for that title. I beat Blaze oh, in August twenty fourth, two thousand nineteen, because uh, Blaze just won the title, and then Thaddeus came out when he was still commissioner, and he said, "You might be PWA champion, but you're not my PWA champion." Then he brought me out. Oh, I won right. the belt. And that was when that happened. That was in August of two thousand nineteen. So there's your answer. Oh. So August 24th, 2019, 365 days there to 24th, <laughs> 700 days. Well, 730 days, is that correct? It's 365, 365. So then 730, so then 24th, seven more days. So what did I say? 720, <laughs> 727 plus 31, so 758, and then 31 in October, 59, 89. Yeah, I'm over 800 days now. Seven, oh boy. 789 plus, uh, what are we at? What's the date today? 789 plus yes, 25. It's 25th today. Approximately 814 days into my title. A magnificent reign by any uh, stretch of the imagination. Now, before I hit the record button, you and I were talking about uh, uh, Tony Condello. Uh, I've never met Tony Condello. I've heard a lot of stories and I've heard that he's a, uh, he's a hell of a guy. And you said you just worked a, a couple of shows for him. So uh, tell me more about Tony Condello. Did you do a death tour? 
I did do a death tour. I did a death tour in 2017, I believe it was. It's actually a pretty stacked death tour. It was like myself, Wavell was on it, Scotty Mack. Um, okay. Cool Cat and Bobby and a uh, gentleman from Washington. I don't believe he wrestles anymore. His name was Josh Alexander. Oh, the death tours are so much fun, but they are a death tour for you got to bring your food unless you want to pay outrageous prices up north. Yeah. Which is a political problem in this country that we should save for your political podcast. Oh, yes. Politics with Boris. Yeah. Stay tuned for episode one of that. I was. I was just floored at the fact that I had to boil water. I'm in Canada. We're known for water, and I have to boil water really? to drink it. That's, that's yeah, absurd. Third world living conditions. Couldn't believe that it was a part of our country. Big problem in the reserves up north. Please fix that, somebody. I, I will always advocate for that. But regardless, let's focus on the positives. A lot of fun. Great experience. Extremely tired. Um, here's one, one story that I have. Matt Hart was also on that tour okay. as well. So we're in Oxford house and the way we have it set up, it's in a gym and we have, you know, those big folding cafeteria tables Oh yeah, fold up in the middle. Yeah. With like the circle little, uh, little folding. seats, right? No, no. The, the long bench, they're just the big long ones. Okay. The ones I used to have when I was younger in school, they would fold up in the middle, but they would have like little circly things to sit on. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So we, we had two of those lengthwise stacked against the gymnasium doors. So the kids couldn't come through and then get into our stuff. Cause we were sleeping in the library, which was just in that foyer. Mm-hmm. So it's quite heavy, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway. So where we would enter, to the ring was through the kitchen and then out that door and then go to the ring the whole way to the ring kids are slapping you pulling your hair all these you know whatever and uh same thing i have i had a tag match there and the whole time i'm standing on the apron they're slapping the back of your legs and it's like who it sucks because your legs are starting to go raw kind of Mm-hmm. So anyways, me and Josh Alexander, this gentleman, are teaming up and we're heels against Cat and Bobby or Cat and Wave, I assume, or something. And I don't know if we had just lost or what the story was, but there was always someone at the kitchen door to let people in because you had to keep the door locked. Otherwise, you'd have a million kids running through. Mm-hmm. Once again, rifle through our things. Be very like watchful of our stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we come back, we're coming back, all these kids are surrounding us. One's like has a picture of Matt Hart, like a signed picture. I grab it and I rip it up. Okay, so I ripped up Matt Hart's picture, and then we kind of had to run back because the kids were quite angry about this. Mm-hmm. And I got to the kitchen door, and someone should have been there to let us in, but they weren't. Oh, so great. of course we like turn around. There's this mob of angry children <laughs> ready to like kill us. So we have to run through this mob down the sidewall and we go to the gymnasium doors that have these big cafeteria tables against it. And we have to like literally barely shove our way through. So I remember yelling orders to Josh being like, all right, you keep the doors closed. <laughs> I'm going to shove the table back. And he's like got his back against the doors and there's literally like, kids arms reaching through like the zombies. door like he was straight yes it was exactly <laughs> and i'm there like we're shoving the door on these kids arms like get your arms out of here sort of thing and forcing these tables back against the doors yeah it was wild that's real heat man 
Oh, it was it was hilarious too because like you're just like okay, I'm just gonna go through the kitchen. Oh, turn around. Oh, there's a big swarm of kids now, and they're very mad at you. <laughs> yeah, and you talk about uh, you know the the experience of, of of like getting the experience, and that's the best way to learn. I hear those death tours are really good for that because you get you know a lot of matches in a short period of time, and you get to work in front of crowds and kind of see what works and what doesn't. Yes, a lot of those crowds are very into a lot of things because they don't get, they're like on the ice road. So in the summertime, they're just little islands. So they don't get a lot of entertainment mm-hmm. up there mm-hmm. of any sort. So when they get something like wrestling, you're just like, there's literally people climbing on your vehicles and hanging off while you're driving. Like you're, you're a celebrity or something. Like, like the Beatles. <laughs> Bigger. All right. Um, I uh, put the call out on the social media for some questions. So I'm going to blast through these and then we're going to get to your second track. Uh, who's your favorite road buddy? Oh, that's tough, man. Probably uh, Mick Sugar historically. Uh, Bull Bodner is a lot of fun to ride with, funny enough. Um, O'Doyle, my boy, Sean Moore. <laughs> I mean, all of us, like with their, everybody's a blast. We have such a good dynamic. Like, yeah, probably Mick Sugar and O'Doyle and Sean are probably like my three. I I can't just pick one, honestly. Of course. Uh, Your top five Yu-Gi-Oh monsters. I don't know what the fuck that even is. Oh, goddamn. Um, Buster Blader was historically (laughs) my favorite card. Uh, Gotta say like a summon skull. Uh, Blue Eyes, White Dragon, of course. Um, top five. What other ones that I really, really enjoy? Uh, Twin-Headed Thunder Dragon was my favorite when I was a kid. That's four. And I'm going to go with like a, an interesting one for number five. Probably something like... Um, something like Giant Soldier of Stone. Of, no, Vorse Raider. Vorse Raider, lock that in. Vorse Raider for sure. You realize none of that makes any sense whatsoever to me. I'm sure you know what Blue Eyes White Dragon is at least. I don't. I couldn't pick a Yu-Gi-Oh out of a police lineup, man. I have no idea. <laughs> the cartoon guy. Uh, I don't know if it's him or not. <laughs> I'm fucking. I'm 45 years old. I don't know no Yu-Gi-Oh. Come on, man. I don't. I thought you were. A nerd, man. I'm a wrestling oh, wait, nerd. Did I just out my. I, I don't know what Yu Gi Oh is either. Just, <laughs> I can't even read. All right. Uh, what made you just? Dis- what made you decide to quit hockey? And is that the reason that you got into wrestling? Uh, nothing really made me decide to quit hockey. I just like really fell out of uh, love with it in the sense of like a lot of toxic people. And that was sort of just when I was like, all right, now that I'm not doing hockey, I'm going to wrestle. That was just sort of how it went. Uh, okay, you and the Sass boys all get signed and do an invasion angle with the promotion of your choosing. The invasion leads to a 10-man tag. Five of that company's top stars versus the Sass boys. <laughs> and we get annihilated or what? A what like what's the what company and I don't know. There's, fifth? See, there's, there's, the no, there's no question here. I'm, I'm reading this now, and that's it. I believe he replied to himself with the actual oh, question. Oh, wait, is it? Okay, hang on. Twitter confuses me. Oh, which okay, here it is. Sorry. Uh which promotion do you invade? Who are the five opponents that you face? 
And who from that promotion turns and joins the Sask Boys? This is some fucking really involved shit here. Um, who turns and joins the Sass Boys? I don't know, man. You got to be from Sass to be in the Sass. You can't just let anybody into the Sass Boys. And who are the top, whoever the top five in the company are, who are which company, whichever one pays us the most. Let's just put it that way. Whichever one we can go to and win championships and win, get the most money, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. Like if UFC, D, but this if is UFC not a good wants question. to pay us, if UFC wants to pay us really well, I'm all for it. I'll get my ass kicked by uh, Conor McGregor and whoever else, right? Fair enough. Uh, what's your favorite insane clown posse song? Uh, Halls of Illusions. Halls of Illusions. All right. Are you Great like a link? Go wave your wand. Don't you... look now. Your <laughs> life is gone. Are you a big ICP guy? I wouldn't say big, but I like I like a handful of their songs. Yeah, I grew up like listening to some of their music because homies was really big when i was growing up okay yeah i like some icp one of my favorite wrestling memories of all time is the look on michael richard blaze's face sitting in calgary watching an icp show waiting to get paid for wrestling for them that afternoon i really really am jealous i was not part of that show i remember when that happened i would have loved to have been a part of that it was a really fun day but uh, uh, just the, the, I wish I would have had a picture of it. I might have taken a picture of it, but it was so many years ago that that picture has gone into the ether of the world. But just the look on his face while he sits there waiting for Kevin Gill. And every time I see Kevin Gill calling a GCW show, I think of that just because uh, super, super funny. Um, we're going to get to your second track. Uh, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions about what you're kind of watching now and what you're into. Uh, you picked a, a song by the band, uh, explain why you picked this one. Cause I, I, when I pulled it, I checked it out and it was kind of like almost like a, a twangy country music, jangly sort of song. And I, I, again, I expected like hardcore metal from you, which I guess we sort of got the first song. So explain to me the, what, what this song's all about. It is called, uh, Atlantic, Atlantic city. city. Uh, explain uh, what the deal with this is. All right. So I like this song a lot. I like it tells a story. I'm a big fan of storytelling in songs. I'm also a big fan of like when they slightly switch things up. Like, for example, in Raining Blood, you know, the iconic riff. Da, 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 near the end of the song, he kind of plays it in a higher pitch. I love things like that. He still plays the same notes just like a little bit more down the fretboard mm. or like when songs layer over each other, like you get a singer, like at the end of all I ever wanted by Kelly Clarkson, she's like Larry singing over herself. Like there's multiple layers of her singing. I love things like that. And I love storytelling in songs. I love this song. It's a great song. It's actually a cover. It's a cover of a Springsteen song. And I think the original is actually not very good. The band really made it their own. Um, I grew up listening to this song. It would play on the radio, actually, on my bus ride home from school. And um, yeah, I just really liked this song. And I wanted to pick, I didn't want to pick Pantera. Like back on to the heavier music, how I sort of found Metallica that I liked. One of my friends heard that I liked Metallica. This is just a little bit how I got into Pantera. And he's like, oh, you'll like this band. He started playing me some Pantera, and I'm like, wow. I remember listening to Cemetery Gates for the first time, and I'm like, wow. This. I remember saying to him, like, this guitarist is, like, amazing sort of thing. And he, 
every Pantera fan has like a little gleam in their eye when somebody's like the guitar is good at Pantera, right? Mm-hmm. And you know nothing about it. Like, yeah, he is. He's Dimebag Derek. Like, you know, he's my pride and joy. He's my boy. And I remember he gave me that look. Like he had this like proudness. Like it, I was talking about his child almost. Wow, this guitar is really good. Yeah, it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So then I went home and I downloaded Pantera on my dial-up and I downloaded every album and I never found a song that I, I didn't like. And that was like the first band and only band that I've ever come across where I like all their stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like Pantera so much. I just, yeah, I really, really like them. I'm very consistent with things that I like. But of course, I didn't want to just pick, well, I like Pantera. I'm going to pick this song. I could have. take the easy way out. I wanted to throw a, a little bit of a curveball out to left field, especially with the band. I love lots of other music. Lord's first album is phenomenal. Pure we heroin, talked about, great We album. talked about that actually on uh, on the social media. That album is fantastic. I don't like anything great she's album. done since then, but that first Lord album yeah. is tremendous. Yeah, I listened to her other two albums, and I wasn't really crazy about them. I love Lady Gaga. I think Gaga's fantastic. I like some billy eilish i like you know i like stuff all over the place i like mm. songs from all kinds of places too, all kinds of genres i wouldn't say i like like a rapper but who doesn't like clint eastwood by the gorillas mm-hmm. who doesn't like a little bit of bloodhound gang who doesn't you know what i mean but yeah so i wanted to pick something odd like i have stuff by florence and the machine on my phone as well mm-hmm. so i th- I thought atlantic city by the band i wanted to pick something that maybe your listeners were unaware of or had no idea even existed maybe you had never heard this song no so this that's why i picked this song and i think that's kind of what's cool about this little project i've taken on is exactly that you can kind of pull out some dirt and show like a different side of your personality through your musical choices on a quick side detour uh dimebag shouldn't have gone out like that man that was a really shitty thing and again i'm not even like i i'm I'm not a pantera like no not disrespect it's not that i dislike them it's just like not a thing i got into but like like for that to go out like that it's just it's horrible yeah and like you hear i mean obviously nobody really speaks very ill of the dead but you just see videos and you hear stories about them and he's such a you know a fun loving guy and stuff and i feel bad for their parents because his brother Vinny passed away a few years ago too. So their mm-hmm. parents had to bury both their boys. Like that's nobody. He was, he no was the uh, Vinny Paul was the drummer, correct? Correct. Yeah. 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 Uh, I actually met him once. Oh, I, I cool. went to a hell yeah concert with uh, a local wrestler around here in 2013. And I went solely because it was Vinny's band. I do not like hell. Yeah. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Don't like anything about them. But I went and it was when we were there, I'm like, sure, let's go. And it was like a little bar venue, right? And uh, all right, pay 60 bucks and you can meet the man. Fuck yeah, I'm going to go meet Vinnie Paul, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I did that. We'll spill a little bit for for, for Dimebag Daryl. He was buried in a Kiss casket, which, uh, you know, I think that's kind of awesome. I, I got a big soft spot for Kiss. He also has uh, one of Led- or, uh, Van Halen's uh guitars like his original bumblebee guitar buried with him as well oh i didn't know that that's cool interesting yeah he was speaking with him shortly before his death i guess and saying how much he liked this guitar and they were working on like getting him a replica and then he got murdered so then he put the original in the casket with him oh that's cool that's a really cool story i didn't know that all right so this song is called 
what's it called? Tell me again. I forget. Atlantic City. Atlantic City by the band. Check it out. It's a Michael Allen Richard Clark pick on the Punk and Todd Evers podcast. Well, they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. And they blew up his house, too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble bussing in from out of state. And the DA can't get no relief. Gonna be a rumble on a promenade. And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth. Everything dies, baby, that's a fact. But maybe everything that dies someday he comes back. Put your makeup on, fix your hair up pretty, and meet me tonight in Atlantic City.
is the band on the Punk and Podrivers podcast. My name is Big Bad Boris, joined by Michael Allen, Richard Clark. Uh, do you watch wrestling? Some, but I don't watch, like, I don't really keep up, to be honest. Like, I know what's going on and stuff, but when I watch stuff, it'll be more, I'm into watching one wrestler for a while, you know what I mean? So you won't watch like Dynamite every week or or NXT or Raw or whatever. You'll you'll pick out no. a dude. So so who was the last person you kind yeah. of focused in on and watched a bunch of their matches? Kurt Angle, actually. Okay, that's not you can't go wrong with that. No, I really like Kurt Angle, and like I'll do that with Macho Man, Benoit, like you know Guerrero, you know the standards, if, mm-hmm. if you will. But the last person I really binged on was Angle again. So what is your, what's your short-term and, and kind of long-term plans? Like, where, what, what do you want out of this? Because you're another guy, and I was talking, I don't know if you listened to the one with Sean, but you're another guy that I consider pretty much TV-ready. I mean, yeah, like, I, I, we want to do something. Like, we've been looking at um, just going down, myself and Sean, I don't know if you spoke about this at all or anything, but going down and training in the States somewhere. Mm-hmm for a period of time and just seeing what we can. Yeah. Like I, that's what I want. I want to get on with somebody. Like I think if I could not try and be full of myself or anything, but I, th- I think if I could get onto TV and do something, I could turn get some heads, over. Right. Yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm entertaining. Even if you gave me something that's not very, I can find a way to make it, a little more so, or at least I would hope I could. Yeah, it's just trying to get that shot, you know, get that foot in the door, especially like in our geography is what's so difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And just like the right people to see you and like not very many people come up here. So that makes it tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you got any bookings coming up anywhere where anybody can check you out? I'm trying to think. Oh, <laughs> Good work. Well, I got sorry, like I the mandatory we got Rigside Wrestling December third. Sean Moore versus a returning Alexander Prime. Prime yeah. hasn't wrestled in hundred days. I, I was saw his that. Last match. I was his last match actually. I almost fact. want to go up and, and and watch that show. It'll be good. Prime has put on a lot of size uh since he doesn't look as good as I do, of course, but um <laughs> but no, who does, I'm just right? teasing. Exactly. Like the most <laughs> aesthetic man as well. Uh, I, I do like to call myself the most vascular, especially in my arms. Find me another man with uh, as baby arms as I do. You can't do it. Uh, but no, that should be, that can't. That should be a banger because Sean, Sean's the best I've ever seen him. Very focused and very serious. No nonsense Intense. right now. So for a returning match, he is, and I love it. And for a returning match for Prime, he's gonna. I have a feeling he's in for a rude awakening for that. So yeah, that's, like that. that that's my next. Uh, sorry, oh, that clandestine taping that, that that he worked that second one that we did when he had just come back from from the LA Dojo. I was just floored. Like he was always really great, but just he just like flipped that switch to the next level. And I was like during that tournament for the for the top talent title i was just floored yes. at the performances and the matches he was putting in. it's just super awesome he's got i mean 
he can tell you this, I'm sure, but I think he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder from that experience. He um, wants to, you know, I belong somewhere, right? And he yeah. does. He absolutely does. He's tremendous, obviously. But I think him returning from that made him an even more focused man. Yeah. So one of the well, a little inside joke that you and I have, uh, when during oh. during during an event during a show, there, there's things that can go wrong, things that can happen, uh, and, and I have <laughs> on occasion uh, been frustrated at shows, and my go-to is always, I hate wrestling. So you always no, like, like to, <laughs> yeah, I don't like wrestling anymore. So you always like to check in with me whenever we're working on a show together and ask me what my level of, of, of <laughs> wrestling like is. And you're like, Hey Boris, do you like wrestling right now? And I'm like, yeah, wrestling's okay. So I yeah, always, it's always kind of funny. Do you like wrestling today? Do you like wrestling today, Boris? Well, I can tell you this at the end of this podcast, I can definitely say that today I like wrestling. Um, Beautiful. And I mean, I've started doing it. I like if something even bad happens on a TV show somewhere, you're like, I don't like wrestling. And I and I know because everybody's talking about it, obviously, if something yeah. goes that wrong. Right. But I like that that's become our joke. Just like, I don't like wrestling. Yeah, Come up to a match and it's sort of like, all right, you, you know, you're probably not going to like wrestling. And I just happen to come up to you backstage or something <laughs> and you, you just cover your your headset and you look at me you're like i don't like wrestling right now. i fucking hate you wrestling. continue calling the match <laughs> yeah. i just that's one thing i love about our commentary too is like we just they, they might not come across on the commentary but we often have to cover our microphones to laugh because we're just making little quips or jokes or i crack you up or vice versa well you say some outlandish shit and some stuff that just kind of you know it pops me a little bit but i gotta be the straight man you know so i can't I can't show you, Pop. Me, I gotta be like, uh, like Gorilla Monsoon. Will you stop it? Will you cut it out? I love that. And like, to be honest, I'm, I'm like that in the ring. Like, ask anybody that who I wrestle. I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I take what I do very seriously, but I will also take any opportunity I get to make someone laugh while that I'm wrestling. That's well, this, what it's about. It's about having fun, man. You, yeah. Everybody takes themselves so seriously. Like, I'm here to have some fun. I, one guy, I will say, speaking of him again, I can't get fucking Sean Moore to pop during a match, especially now. Like he's oh yeah, he's on another level now. Intense, but he, he's one guy I could never anybody else put me in the ring with them. Mm-hmm. Let me have a match. I guarantee I can make them laugh. Yeah, it's one of your hidden talents. Well, Michael. Alan Richard Clark, thank you for for spending some time hanging with me on the special uh, 20th episode. Uh, You are welcome back anytime, and maybe you can slip some Pantera in there or maybe some other weird little choice. But yeah, thanks for hanging out, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. 20, that's great. Nice even number, divisible of 10 and 5. Can't get any better than that. Very feng shui. Oh, I just like whatever that is. Of 10, like it's just (laughs) neat. All right. So because the, the holiday season is, is approaching, we've passed American Thanksgiving. We're on the way to Christmas. I thought we would go out this week uh, in a little bit of a festive way. Uh, we are going to go out to one of my favorite bands, of course, is Bad Religion, one of the greatest punk rock bands of all time. And, and I don't know if it was last year or a couple of years ago, they put out a little Christmas song EP. So we're going to go out to uh, Bad Religion's cover of White Christmas um thank I thought you for sure that you were gonna play like 
everybody knows how much I love Mary's Boy Child by Boney M. I thought that's where you're going with that person. You do. You, you, I, I, that was, yeah, that there, was like, you like to listen to that like as many times as you can during the holiday season. And during July as well. <laughs> there's two versions of the song. There's one with a third verse and it is nowhere near as good as the shorter version. Too much the shorter version, thing? once again, I spoke of this layering. No, it's just they don't layer it. and They kind of change the vocals a little bit. Like the layering at the end is just masterpiece. Masterpiece level. Don't care what anybody says. It's masterpiece. So long version of Mary's Boy Child, no good. Short version, very good. Exactly. All right. Thank you again. Uh, this is White <laughs> Christmas. This is Bad Religion. I'm working on actually somebody that you have uh, a little bit of experience with during his time in Saskatchewan. I'm not sure if it's officially official. I got to work out some times, but I'm looking at Mr. Drew Dalby to be next week's guest on the Punk and Pile Drivers podcast. Beautiful. I don't know know if i'm supposed to necessarily say something but i if you want me to tell one drew dalby story i have a very good one can you can you, can you yes put that put it in real quick all right so we're in a pile of bones rumble i forget what year it was 2018 i believe and uh here we are in the ring myself mcsugar rockstar who was all part of like kind of a stable and there's drew dalby in the middle of the ring there's some other people in the ring too but these are the four who mattered crime was also in the ring actually mm-hmm. So here comes Heavy Chevy coming down to the ring. I'm in the corner with McSugar and Rockstar. We're kind of keeping away. Drew Dalby's in the middle of the ring. Me and McSugar, should we feed for Kevy? Should we should we feed for Chevy? I think McSugar said to me. I said, I don't know. Let's see what he does to Dalby. Let Dalby go first. <laughs> Chevy comes in, ducks around Dalby. German suplex dumps him on his head. Oh, no. We immediately turn. <laughs> go to another corner and I start working with Prime. Like, nope. <laughs> Dolby always wants to joke. Let Dolby go first. Uh, he likes to really, because he heard us talking about this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a good story. Oh, I'm it's gonna, great. Yeah, um, let, let Dolby go first. I don't know what Chevy does. Let's let him go first. Gets dumped on his head. No thanks. <laughs> you took one for the team on that one, hey? Oh, we sure did. All right. Thanks, Dolby. <laughs> I'll pass it on. I'll text him right now. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we're going to go out to uh, uh, White Christmas, Bad Religion, on the Fuck Up Potterers podcast, and we will talk to y'all next week. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know, where the treetops glisten and chill.
This is B.